Welcome back to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Now, you might listen to the main episode and be like, wow, they're really off the rails in that one. Like, how can this get even more off the rails? Well, you know, we're about to surprise you in ways that we don't even know ourselves. So, Oh, goodness. (laughs) So now we can get a little spicy. This is one of my favorite metaphors, the overflowing bathtub, or in your case, the flooded Mm -hmm. house. So uh, you you told in a very nice way. Do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So first of all, shout out to Dr. Carolyn Cumsey Fowler, who sort of used this metaphor in one of her classes in my PhD program. What was the class about? Uh, program evaluation, I think. Okay. Program design implementation. It was... <laughs> It was a while ago, but it was all about sort of how we apply public health principles and prevention to sort of understanding and evaluating programs and their effectiveness. So she presented an issue to the class where we had left the faucet on and we we left the house and we came back and there's just water everywhere. All of our stuff's getting damaged, water's leaking out everywhere. And she asked the class, what's the first thing you do? And some folks said, well, you get towels, you get a mop, you get buckets, et cetera. And I was like, you got to turn off the water. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Like you can't start cleaning up a problem or addressing a problem until you address the causes of the problem. And the causes of all the stuff being damaged in your house is because the faucet is still on and and the sink is plugged. So turn the water off, unplug the sink, and then start addressing these other issues. And this, I think, applies to so many issues today. It's a good parallel for environmental issues, but I'm pretty sure you could draw this parallel to pretty much any, virtually any issues. But the thing with the environment, right? So we keep talking about plastic pollution and our friend corporate misdirection returns again and a lot of times it's like oh you need to recycle oh you need to use reusable bags or you need to use x y and z and i'm just like you have to turn off the tap first you have to stop producing plastic not just producing it but relying on it Uh right like the way our culture has evolved and i think you can share some really important perspectives on this from some of the research you've done but like we didn't used to use plastic. No, no, we didn't. Like we used to use glass, glass for a lot of and stuff. Paper. Yeah. And then we started using plastic for everything. Like when I go to the grocery store, I get so mad when I see the way we package yeah. the things that we're using. Like, why is this given everything we know about the impact of plastic and the environment and the need to use different resources and the pollution and everything that comes out of this. Why the hell are we still packaging in plastic and selling it at the grocery store? Yeah, it makes no sense. And what's worse is that they package a thing that doesn't need to be packaged. Like that drives me insane. I see cut fruit, right? That drives me crazy. But okay, fine. Maybe someone, you know, really wants cut fruit and they don't want to slice a watermelon open. They don't have the knife to slice a watermelon. Okay, fine. But then I see things like, you know, sometimes they sell like basil. Mm -hmm. In a plastic container. Wrapped in. I'm like, you could just, it's a plant. It's fine. You just leave it out. Or like, you know, a paper bag. Yeah, or paper bag, right? Anyway, drives me crazy as well. So I get, I get super annoyed. This is more an individual behavior thing, but this drives me nuts also. Yeah. When people put their produce into plastic bags at the grocery store. Yes. So I shop at our local store. Love our store. I'm not going to say the name because I I don't want to throw shade at anybody who shops there. And I don't want (laughs) to give sort of like we're not getting paid by them. So no need to give them any undo, whatever. Anyway, but they have a scan and go thing. So like you can scan your groceries, bag your own groceries, and then you you just check out at the self-check and pay. And like, it's super easy. I started 
doing this mostly during the pandemic because A, I didn't want other people touching my groceries and B, I wanted to sort of get in and out as quickly as I yeah, could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So I, I bring my own bags to the grocery store, reusable bags. I scan everything, drop it in and go. So if I buy bananas, right? Yeah. Bananas don't need to go into a bag. No, no it But doesn't. I cannot tell you how many times I see people put a freaking bunch of bananas into a bag. I'm just, just, Oh, just, what are you doing? Ah, <laughs> so mad. I get yeah. so mad. So, okay, you might say, but Cass, like, what about apples? If you have a bag of apples, apples, uh-huh. you know, you need to keep those all together. You know, you need a bag for them. Like, okay, use a paper bag. Why do right. you need to see through the bag? You put the apples in the bag. Why do you need to see what they are? Like, use freaking paper. Anyway, okay. Like things like onions. I, just, I get really frustrated. Onions are very hardy. They don't need protection. Here's another thing. And you mentioned this when I'm glad you did. Like it used to be glass and paper and then all of a sudden we went to plastic. And here's the thing, a piece of uh, trivia or history trivia tidbit for you. I knew you'd have something like this. (laughs) (laughs) This switch to plastic, a lot of people, particularly the plastic industry and the manufacturing industry, they play it off as in, oh, it just sort of happened which is incorrect. There was a plastic conference. Of course there was. There was a conference of plastic makers in the 50s and 60s that actively pushed for the transition to glass to plastic. This was not just like, oh, people started using it and I guess we have to adapt. No, there was an active push by plastic producers to make more plastic. And then one of the quotes from this conference is, the future is in garbage. They pushed the idea that if you want to sell more things from a capitalistic perspective, it makes sense, right? You just send it and you don't have to worry about getting the bottles back. They can just throw it away and it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost the manufacturer anything, whether they produce waste or not, which I think is awful. So I think one of the things that we need to do is turn off the tap, right? We have to hold these producers of massive amount of plastic responsible by either saying that per bottle that you produce, you have to, you know, offset it or you have to pay a certain amount. There's many ways that we can do this. Yeah. As you were talking about that, I was reflecting on sort of back as a teenager, uh, my stepmom worked for a paper company. So not like, I mean, they may have also done like printer paper kinds of things, but like think of the kinds of paper products, restaurants and businesses might use like paper Mm -hmm. to go containers, paper cups, et cetera. And we never really talked a lot about this, but I was, as you were talking, I was reflecting back, overhearing conversations and thinking, about like trying to ensure that your customers who are buying your paper products aren't swapping to plastic, basically, or, you know, styrofoam or other kinds of pieces and sort of like continuing to ensure that folks saw the value of these paper products. And this was in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. So after this conference, obviously, but you could still sort of see people trying to hold off against that shift. Yeah. And I'm glad those people exist because plastic is truly, truly awful for the environment. And again, I mentioned corporate misdirection, right? I always find it very frustrating when you can't create the problem and then blame the victims for not solving it. Right? Does that make sense? You can't be like, I make plastic bottles and wow, people are not recycling. Right. Like, no, you made the plastic bottles. It's like, I make cigarettes. Oh man, there's so many people dying of lung cancer. They should really, you made the cigarettes. Like, What are you talking about? And the last thing I want to say is, I'm sure you have a lot of comments on this too. I really am irritated by the argument of, 
well, we're just supplying what the people demand. Except you created the demand. Yeah. Like, like what are nobody, you nobody was like, when we were using glass and paper, yeah. I highly doubt there were just some random folks on the street who were like, golly gee whiz, really wish we were using plastic instead no. because there wasn't plastic yeah. to use. Like you the made norm the plastic. was that you used glass and paper and these other things. Yeah. And I know that there was a push. So I grew up in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest area. And there was a lot of paper companies around producing paper. And so we were always seeing areas where the paper company had planted new trees to replace the trees that they were farming to make yeah, paper. Because it's in their best interest to do Correct. so. Correct. And so we always saw there'd be signs like this was planted by X company, you know, in this year, we'll harvest these trees in Y year down, you know, in the future and, and make paper with it. But I remember very distinctly as a kid having conversations around like renewable resources And there was a lot of stigma, like people were trying to, probably from the plastic companies, trying to push a lot of stigma on people who used paper. Yes. So like if you used a paper bag at the grocery store, like people would throw side eye at you. Like, what the hell are you doing using paper? Don't you know we're cutting down all these trees? Because there was like a misinformation campaign even then. Uh Uh-huh sort of not educating people on the fact that many of these companies were planting more trees because if they cut them all down, then they wouldn't have any more trees to make paper, right? They had to plant more. And you can generate more trees. You can't generate more fossil fuels or these these things that plastic derives from. And Aren't folks using a lot of bamboo now also? Because like bamboo grows yeah, so really, really fast. If you haven't already, listeners and, and you, Cass, if you watch a a video of bamboo growing. You could watch it grow in live speed. Like you don't have to speed it up. That's how fast they grow. Um, It's quite incredible. The reason I was asking is I'm seeing more and more bamboo based paper products. Obviously folks have been using, you know, for, for disposable silverware and the utensils, disposable silverware, so a, <laughs> disposable utensils. Right. But I recently have been seeing bamboo toilet paper oh, I use commercials. That. It's really nice. Yeah. So we have not yet made the switch, but I anticipate we will make the switch soon. Let me tell you, they feel just like normal toilet paper so i assure you the transition will not be you know super hard but anyway so yeah i just want to bring up this metaphor because i think this applies very well to environment which is if you want to solve a problem you have to turn off the tap first and you can't blame people for the problem that you've created just know that anytime corporations try to like ask you to do things think about who's making the problem in the first place well and this really is sort of the core piece of the public health approach it's addressing the problem at every stage but also preventing the problem from occurring in the first place i like to use the metaphor of a boat i may have talked about this before in the show a lot of folks focus on sort of holding people accountable or punishing them or doing something after the fact, right? So if you have a boat and there is a a broken railing and people keep falling into the water, if all we do is pull people out of the water, that's that's all we're going to spend the rest of our time doing because people will continue to fall through that broken railing. So let's fix the f***ing railing so that people stop falling into the ocean in the first place, right? So same kind of thing. You have to stop the source of the problem in order to then address some of these downstream pieces yeah and don't buy into the like you as an individual yes you can do a lot of things that helps but you know 
the problem is not you. The problem is whoever is making the problem. Well, and I also want to throw back to something you said in, I think, the recycling episode, which is we all don't have to be perfect all the time. No. But every little thing that we do helps. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. better if a lot of people are imperfectly trying to to do stuff than if a handful of people do everything perfectly. Yeah. So do everything that we can as individuals. Every little bit helps. Exactly. And don't get scared by people who's like, oh, you don't do this. Oh, you don't do that. Oh, you don't do that. They're not being helpful. Don't listen to them. Just do whatever you can do as much as you can. Turn off the tap first. Thank you for listening to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. You can expect these more spicy and opinionated episodes every Monday. If you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us immensely and spread the word about the show. Join us every Thursday for our main episodes. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.